0: Into sports. Twenty yards out, urge to shoot. dungeon! Oh my oh, oh. God, for Fabio! Wow. And get into the all-new OTB Sports app. I think when he apologises to me, I probably will say hello to him. Yeah, no. I'm videos, sports news, live scores, interviews. If Fabregas is going to come up to me in the street and give me some of a mouth that he would have given me on a football pitch, what would he do get a slap? Plus, exclusive content on the OTB Podcast Network. The biggest names in sports. Ready when you are. Search OTB Sports on your app store and download it now. The OTB Podcast Network with Pepsi Max. Proud sponsor of the UEFA Champions League. For the love of it.
1: Brady and Belichick have been at the forefront of the credit in New England for the last 20 years.
0: Hot snap! OTB's American football show, The Snap on OTB Sports Radio. And we're live. You're very welcome along to this week's edition of The Snap. It's Jerry Roy with you on Fridays talking about the uh, situation in the NFL and whatever is going on in American football. With us as ever, we've got Kian Fay and Ronan Mullen. Kian, you're still awake?
2: No, I managed to get some sleep. It was. I'm not going to say it was a good game, but it was probably the best the NFC has got to offer right now. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest, Jared, uh th- This weekend is—it's it, kind of a great prelude to this weekend because this weekend is one of the best weekends in the NFL, not for any other reason, or any people in America, but for us over here, it's perfect because we got an extra hour this week. All the games start at five, so if you're stuck at home with nothing to do, like most of us are right now, it's a great Sunday evening getting getting the game starting at five and ending before midnight.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually a ridiculous weekend of television sport. It's starting this evening with the uh, Ireland team up against Ukraine, and then Villa hammering Leeds after that. So. All all is well in the world. We didn't tell anybody the results, so people who are unfamiliar, last night the New York Giants should have, could have, and nearly, but didn't, beat the Philadelphia Eagles, who did eventually win.
2: Yeah, it was, um, to be honest with you, it was, a, it was a poor game for three quarters. It was exactly what we expected. Two teams that are both injured and just lacking in quality. And then it get it got to five minutes left the Giants had taken a lead Daniel Jones had a massive run and even that run was calamitous because he fell over himself despite having no one near him for with 30 yards to go to the end zone he literally had the the fourth longest run in Giants history and it was an embarrassment like that's the way that game went like, he fell over himself so the, the they, that set up a touchdown the Giants took an 11 a 21 10 lead 11 points was Double what the Eagles had done to that point at all, and they didn't look like scoring at all. The Eagles got a a penalty on the start of the next drive. They got a big play that was a a blown coverage from the the Giants on the back end. Suddenly they're back in the game. They get a touchdown. The Giants have a chance to end the game, to finish it off. Daniel Jones throws a, a perfect pass to Evan Engram down the sideline and Evan Engram drops it when he's wide open which has been the story of Evan Engram's career he gets open easily he's a great, great tight end if he could catch the ball but he just simply can't catch the ball and then you come to the end and the, even on the the final drive the Eagles are kind of messing up themselves because they push themselves backwards a couple of times until Carson Wentz throws one of the best passes you'll see uh, to Byron Scott where he has literally the, the window of the throw into is the size of the ball so if he is off by any tenth of a percent of a degree he is going to be he's going to be missed it's going to be an incompletion but it's a perfect perfect throw a throw worthy of winning any game but that game even even Wentz's performance on his own was just slop a slop after slop
0: the NFC East standings still the Cowboys <laughs> are on top <laughs> they're two and four I didn't realize that's the Eagles first win of the season is that right the
2: no, the, Eagles beat, the Eagles beat the 49ers so these yeah stand- but the, the- the, the thing I like about it is the 49ers are last in the NFC West and they would be first in the NFC East um,
0: yeah they're 3-3 three and three. sorry this, uh, the table I'm looking at hasn't updated yet so the Eagles are actually 2-4-1 and, four, two, four and one, which is a half game ahead of the uh, Cowboys who play Washington at the weekend so
1: well, you recall that Doug Peterson was absolutely lambasted for his decision to basically take a tie with the Bengals but that one Jared, at the end of that record could prove decisive <laughs> I know ESPN projected that the Eagles will win this division with a record of 6-9-1 and one. so uh, that's how lowly it's looking at the moment I know there is precedent for it in other divisions the Seahawks got in on a 7-9 and nine before but 6-9-1 and one would be pretty pretty paltry the
0: Panthers did a couple of years ago as well I think um, the, the one thing um, is right so they, they have a lot of injuries some of those players are actually going to start getting fit some of them aren't Deshaun Jackson I think went off last night with what has been reported as a serious looking injury I haven't seen an update on it just yet today but he may well be gone for the rest of the season
2: if,
0: if Wentz starts to find some form is it beyond the bounds possibility in this crazy season that getting out of the division into say whenever this is played n- middle of January all of February that actually the whole thing is going to look completely different it will entirely be down to who is available at that stage
2: And you know what else is insane about this? They could wind up playing the Chicago Bears because the Bears look like they're on track for the playoffs at least. And with the Vikings basically looking like they're giving up in the season, they're pretty much going to be uh, duking it out with the Panthers and they've got two games left against the Vikings. But the, the Eagles if they get healthy but i don't know how healthy they're going to get most of those injuries are long term or season enders or guys completely done like it's not like they have people coming back in a couple of weeks it's not like they have uh, an anticipation of their offensive line getting better over the next couple of weeks and that's a big big concern because Wentz hasn't tr- shown the ability to play behind a, a below average or a bad offensive line and the receivers last night like i think the receivers are coming together Hightower made a big catch last night he was impressive Fulgham has made a couple of plays over the last couple of weeks Deshaun got injured in a punt return it It was a really bad hit and a really late hit and it got flagged but I I think it should have kind of brewed up a little bit more controversy than it did a little bit more criticism than it did because it got brushed past a little bit it was an awful looking injury he's a big loss Jalen Rieger is gone as well Zach Ertz was hurt and is he's he's going to be hurt for the next two weeks. And he didn't play last night. And one of the reports that came out before the game was that the Eagles were looking to trade Zach Ertz, which is both a sign of Zach Ertz dropping off a little bit and a sign of where the Eagles think they are with this team right now because you wouldn't be trading him if, like Ger, you're taking this kind of more optimistic view. Yeah. If the Eagles coaching staff in front office were taking that optimistic view, that talk of Zach Ertz being traded wouldn't be there. Well, he's, he's obviously
0: on the verge of a holdout at the preseason because he wanted to be paid like Kittle's getting paid. He's not getting paid by the Eagles the way Kittle is. And they have Dallas Goddard waiting on the wings as well, who's also injured at the moment. So, look, I, I can see how the injuries won't come back in time. And, you know, I just looking at the teams who are going to make the playoffs, you, you feel like any of those are capable of falling over. And maybe that's something we can get into in the pick six, which is time for now puns, and definitely all make sense. It's a pick six on OTB Sports.
1: Yeah, it might strike people as counterintuitive that we seem to hone in on the NFC lease, which we coined it a few weeks ago, but we start with the, the Dallas Criers Club, Jerry which um, you know, the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys have had their problems this year, and some of them of their own making. Obviously, the Dak Prescott one, not included in that. Nobody can really account for that. Virgil van dyke esque uh, basically torpedo to your season. But um, for the first time, Kenyon Drake has his own slot in this pick six later on. So we're actually going to focus on the Cowboys side of Monday Night Football, which was pretty dramatic. Um, Jane Slater reported that uh, the Cowboys players initially bought into keeping things internal. This is their grievances with Mike McCarthy. Now, as they sit two and four, the discontent is leaking out on the coaching staff they say it, totally unprepared. They don't teach. They don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. And others said they just aren't that good at their jobs. So the players have taken, what, six weeks? Like, fair, fair play to them for keeping it in-house for five weeks. But after six weeks, there's a mutiny in the Dallas Cowboys. Not going to lie, this looked like a pretty bad hire at the time. The fact that Mike McCarthy managed to win or get to one Super Bowl with the most talented quarterback in history is kind of an indictment of his coaching ability, in my opinion. But the fit Jerry Jones just fell in love with Mike McCarthy. There was an argument to be made that maybe they didn't need someone just with their head screwed on to get the best out of this group. But you look at that defense and it's just absolutely putrid. And you talked about players getting healthy and they, they are getting a little bit more healthy on that side of the ball. But like um, one of the players came out earlier in the season saying, you can't expect us to try 100% on every down. And that was after like week three. So I think that sp- speaks to the culture that is already endemic in the Dallas Cowboys why and not
0: sorry the point being that we're not going anywhere so why would we no, try no no he
1: was saying he was saying that um, the nature the high intensity high octane nature of the NFL is that you can't be expected to give 100% on every single down I think it was Xavier Woods that said it but it was off the back of um, he didn't he didn't chase down a, a run out of bounds or something like that and just looked. the optics were terrible but he was saying after the game that you know I can't be expected to give my all and every down, which I think is the bare minimum for a professional athlete, Jerry. I don't know if you agree with that. But uh, it's the kind of thing you would not hear coming out of the Ravens or the Patriots or the Chiefs. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a bad sign. It's a, a sign of culture. And the fact that they were linked heavily with Errol Thomas, at least they didn't go that route, because that would have been the the final exclamation point on, on this whole thing. But the Cowboys, to to your point at the start of the show, are very much still in this. You know, they can very very easily beat everyone else in this division and Andy Dalton, granted he didn't get off to the greatest start on Monday, but he's competent enough and push came to shove. Carson Wentz was good last night, but when they're at their best, you just don't know if there's a huge amount between them, but yeah, this division is, is entertaining for all the wrong reasons, basically.
0: I was saying to you, Keen, on Twitter that they should trade for Fitzmagic. I mean, why not?
2: Because he's Ryan Fitzpatrick? Come on. Have you watched his career? Is he not better I mean, than Andy Dalton at this stage? He might be, but it's not going to make a difference. Look, this part of the reason Dak Prescott is so good and why Dak Prescott needs to be paid and why the Cowboys treating him like he's an average replaceable quarterback was always insulting. He has covered for so many problems in Dallas. One of the interesting aspects of watching that game was over the course of the coverage of the broadcast, the ESPN booth when talking about I went from talking about uh, Dalton coming in and solidifying the offense and actually being helping, like Tony Dungy literally said this helps the team and they were talking about how the Cowboys are talented enough and good enough and how they can be the winners of the NFC East and then you saw over the course of the game Elliott had two fumbles the defense was a disaster and he couldn't do anything they needed to do the offensive line collapsed on Dalton every single play and the narrative changed to oh well Dalton never had a chance this is not on him this isn't his fault but I am sat there going that's exactly how this Cowboys team has played all year like that's the second game that Ezekiel Elliott has fumbled twice in this isn't the first time the offensive line has completely collapsed on every player the defense has given up what, 40 points pretty much every week except since since week one so like did this deep team isn't, this wasn't built to carry Dak, it wasn't a team that was built to carry Dalton, it's a team that needs great quarterback just to be average and I actually won't be surprised if they don't win another game this year because I think most of their performance is going to look like what it looked like on Monday night Jalen Smith is running around the place an absolute disaster, has no idea where he's supposed to be seemingly, does not have the athleticism to cover for all of his mistakes most of the Cardinals early early production was a reflection on where Jalen Smith was being out of position or where Jalen Smith wasn't reading the reason to play properly Uh, Christian Kirk's first touchdown Jalen Smith found out where the ball was when when Kirk was in the end zone he was blocking uh, or he was fighting a block of the left guard or the right guard looking in the opposite direction as Kirk ran through the pylon so this defense is a disaster and if we want to talk about the, the coaching I, I, I don't really feel it's necessary to harp on with that we knew uh, what Mike McCarthy is because all of us knew this it, it was something that like we saw coming we knew this was going to be Jason Garrett 2.0 but if we want to actually look at a specific and see something that should be better than it is and something that can be tied directly to the coaching staff Trayvon Diggs the, cor- the rookie cornerback they brought in who was kind of taking over Byron Jones's role he he has been or he has shown an incredible amount of talent he has shown an incredible amount of positives but every single week he's made major errors major mental errors major technique errors and just been beaten for big plays And a good coaching staff would look at him and go, hey, this is the reason this happened. This is the reason this happened. You can prevent this from happening again by doing this, this and this. And we can actually get the best out of you and show you how you you can make the most out of your quality play that you're showing off as well. And that simply hasn't happened. Like they're just making the same mistakes over and over and over again and nothing's being addressed. So while I'm generally kind of skeptical sometimes of players speaking out because you don't know if it's coming from a disgruntled player, you don't know if it's coming from someone who's just unhappy, this seems pretty widespread in the locker room and this seems to be evidence backed
0: up okay if they don't win another game this season then they are suddenly in the stakes for the greatest quarterback of all time who's coming out next year it's always the same way these things work Um, is that a possibility might they go that way is it like are they suddenly in the sweepstakes
2: we have to assume so, considering the way they've talked about Dak and the reluctance they've got with Dak. And to be honest, that would be the best thing for Dak. You know, the Cowboys have incredible wide receivers, but that's about it. If you get Dak to uh, another off a team, like we've talked previously about him being the 49ers' next quarterback, that would be ideal. But if you get him to the next team and if you get him to the open market, that's just huge money. And the Cowboys, well, they can just ruin another quarterback, I guess. Um, OK, so what's next?
1: Yeah, number two, Jared, books the trend and... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are trending up. I think most people were a little bit disappointed with their start of the season. A little bit so-so. Granted, they did a difficult start with the Saints and it didn't quite pick up uh, to high gear straight away. But that was sort of a must-win game or at least a must-show-up game against the Packers. And they certainly did that. It didn't necessarily look like it in the first few minutes. The Packers going uh, t- 10-0 up. But like they had to work for those 10 points. And if you actually watch the game back... There were some pointers to maybe the Packers' frustration, which which turned into a bit of a whooping in the end. But all the talk in the offseason, and justifiably so, given his profile, was can Tom Brady be the old Tom Brady in Tampa Bay? Can he get back to that level and take them to the Super Bowl? When in reality, he was a supporting character the other the other night. Like, it, it, he didn't really – it was the defense which did the thing. And Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Glazers in general, probably the only good thing they've ever done is that – defense in the early 2000s with Sat and John Lynch and Cole and it looks like they've managed to put together something similar here because that defense looked tremendous against the Packers and was pretty like fairly good last year as well if not better and I know James Winston took a lot of the flack for not getting them into the playoffs and the the 30 for 30 touchdown interception ratio and all that went with that but that kind of did overshadow the the proficiency of this defense and they they stood up in a big way like basically two pick sixes. The first one obviously a pick six and the second one was all but a pick six given that it got to the goal line more or less. So that shows if they can score on defense and Tom Brady just keeps taking over in a non-James Winston-like manner and even Rob Gronkowski was rolling back the years with some play designs that I thought were out of the Gronk playbook that, that little fade from one side of the field to the other for the touchdown and even some clutch catches in the middle of the field. So even if he can appear in spots like he's a playoff player so if if he can turn up later in the season they've got all the pieces here to to win a Super Bowl there's no doubt about it
0: I did think all the stuff about Gronkowski being so skinny like he's going to get up to speed slowly over a period of time having taken a year off to rest his body but he was an absolutely sensational athlete and maybe the, the back is so bad and he never recovers from him, but there's also a possibility that that year's rest is exactly what he needs and in the second half of the season, he begins to get Matt Sharp and I think Keen people probably underestimated that a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think probably I did, but the I think the the key detail with Gronk, it looks more like he's changed as a player. Like he is very clearly skinnier. He is very clearly a different type of player. So I think he's probably going to contribute more as a receiver than a blocker. And he, if you go through his stats for the season as a whole, he hasn't been a big part of the offense so far. He's carrying out a smaller role, and I think that's the important detail really because. If you go to that game, Ronan's right, the defense was really, really good, and it was really impressive that they did that without Vita Via, who they lost the previous week. Like defensively, they were they were outstanding, and the game really turned once those that first pick six. It just completely collapsed on the Packers, which is kind of a, a tendency for the Packers, too, where if they get down early, they just stay down and lose the game early. They kind of give up. But if you go back to the offense, uh, Ronald Jones has really merged into a high-quality player, and he's carried the offense a little bit. Like, Brady... Brady was very much a compliment. He wasn't... The game had nothing to do with him, really. The only thing he could have done in that game was to throw it away. So, you had Ronald Jones there playing really well. You had Gronk played well. And then you actually looked at the offense and you saw Brady didn't do much. Chris Godwin didn't do much. Cameron... Or, not Cameron Bray, uh oh, Mike Evans. Evans didn't do much. Yeah. Uh, and it, they had the pieces. Like So, there's some quality depth there. So, isn't, and, isn't, uh, that the, the game, isn't
0: it Wasn't that the whole preseason argument, though? That if you don't throw 30 interceptions and you just hand the ball off to somebody who is good in the run game, then this defense allied to whenever you do need to throw it 15, 20 times a game, then suddenly it's a playoff team who is a contender in January and February
2: yeah 100% and the Packers haven't been good against the run all year and that's kind of a big issue that's a matchup problem that I probably should have foreseen that I didn't foresee last week I thought the Packers were coming in there as the better team but if you can stop the run then you have got to, you can put pressure on, on Brady which we saw with the Bears game the prior week so it's very much a matchup issue with the Buccaneers and that trails back to the offensive line where Donovan Smith can't block anyone so if you can push, force Brady to actually go and win the game for them it might be a little bit tougher which is a weird thing to say even at Tom Brady, Brady's age and even though in a new uh,
0: scenario. Yeah, and look, that div- that division is actually going to be really hard. That's the one thing that might yeah. slow them down a little bit, and uh, there'll be there'll be games where they get knocked off by the Panthers and potentially the Falcons later on as well. Um, okay, so what's number three for us?
1: Two becomes one, Jar. And you'd have seen on the news this week, there has been a lot of emotion around a dolphin who's just been absent from his home or what he's come to call home, and that dolphin is Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was pretty heartbroken and I think at the time this was seen as a very a very astute move to maybe change quarterback midstream when things are going well you know in the Premier League it's always said or in football generally like buy when you're strong and rather than changing quarterback when the house is on fire maybe do it when there's actually number one a chance to get into the playoffs and number two actually give to a, a chance to win from the from the jump rather than getting them into five fires as I was saying but I was actually pretty taken back by Ryan Fitzpatrick's comments he said I was shocked by it, Uh, This speaking to Armando Salguero in the Miami Herald, it definitely caught me off guard, it was a hard thing for me to hear yesterday, just digesting the news, my heart hurt all day, I basically got fired and today my day consisted of Zoom meetings with the guy that fired me and sitting in a room with the guy who replaced me for four hours. So that's poor Ryan Fitzpatrick who actually has been sort of a meandering soul and found a home in Miami, uh, people will... Be forever grateful for what he did to the Patriots last season, but um, it's two time in Miami, Jerry. And I, for one, as a neutral and observer looking in, I'm pretty excited about this because, as I said, this is such a well coached team, and with with young talent around and some veteran leadership as well. And to just drop two in who, for me, as a not not as keen a follower of college football, but just the the games I've seen of two versus Joe Burrow, he was the more eye catching, explosive guy, and I was always excited to see how he would do as a pro. The injury almost derailed it, but the fact that he's going to land on his feet in a very good situation, I think everybody's excited to see how they get on next week.
0: Yeah, Ken. there's a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. There's a, a coach who certainly seemed to prove his chops last year when all around him was trying to lose games and he was busy winning games and, and keeping them in matches against far superior teams. So it's a good scenario for Tua to come into. What type of quarterback is he?
2: Um, he, uh, so in college day, Alabama had the spread offense where they used his... Like, first of all, we have to look at the receivers there at Alabama because Jerry Judy and, and Henry Ruggs, like, we're seeing what these guys are doing in the NFL. These are high-end receivers. So in college, they gave him a huge advantage from the get-go. And they had a spread offense, which was a big change for Nick Saban, and that was kind of a big deal. And Tua was the first high-end quarterback that he got, and Tua replaced Jalen Hurts, who was pretty good himself. But Tua is very very accurate quarterback a very uh, good athlete not a great athlete he can play outside the pocket he can play inside the pocket he has a good feel for the pocket the question marks for me were what's his decision making going to be like when he's breaking down coverages and is he going to get the ball out fast enough the or the, the Dolphins might be able to offset that a little bit and get the, the, they might be able to take more deep shots with uh, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams and work the ball a little bit more in a running game more easily with him there rather than Fitzpatrick I think I, I'm really intrigued by Tua I'm really interested in him my biggest concern really was that he was injured so the injury seems to be not a problem I, I have been kind of bothered by the whole narrative of Fitzpatrick this yeah, week yeah you, you like, hate is a...
0: you are haters gonna hate here Ken. you've been like a unleashing bile on poor Fitzpatrick all week
2: Oh, actually, I like I like Fitzpatrick. It's the media coverage that's just turned into complete nonsense. Like when he when he stepped aside, the all the stuff was oh Ryan like Adam Schefter literally has a tweet where there's not a better quarterback to learn from and grow under than Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's also not a better quarterback to help out a quarterback who replaced him. Can we look at the list of quarterbacks Ryan Fitzpatrick has played with? That's, because that's, Tua is that's not his Tua fault. Is going against history.
0: No, no, no. Yes. That's, no, no. You're you're saying there's cause and effect, right? You're saying that all the quarterbacks were all rubbish who replaced him simply because uh, bad management picked quarterbacks. I don't think there's cause and effect there. He might have been very nice to those guys. He might have made yeah. them better players
2: we don't know I'm, ag- I'm, I'm agreeing with you that there's no cause and effect but this is the problem people are assuming that he the, the two is better off and there's no evidence that he's better off like Josh Rosen wasn't better off James Winston wasn't Christian Hackenberg Bryce Petty, Ryan Mallett Tom Savage Jake Locker none of these guys benefited in the way that we're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick benefiting or Ryan pa- Fitzpatrick's backups benefiting so I don't understand th- where are this you, comes are from. you say you're assuming they didn't benefit because they were all crap is that what you're assuming I'm assuming there was no notable difference, or there's no evidence to say that he or he develops quarterbacks. It's the same thing with Josh McComb
0: well, Let Let's see. Okay. Okay. It's possible, but I mean, I, I'm not going to blame uh, Tua being crap on Fitzpatrick if he ends oh, up no. being crap, or if he's good, I'm probably not going to give Fitzpatrick too much credit for that either.
1: Yeah, what, what do you feel, What do you think about the way that those quotes, though? Like. Even if you feel that way, is that something you necessarily say to put? I don't know extra pressure uh, like, on your colleague. Like to Keane's point, like that does not strike me as a good partnership. Well, if if Tua, you
0: if Tua can't take that, then uh, you know, oh, his his pretty little shoulders ain't gonna last too long. In the NFL. Mm. I, but like, what it what doesn't
1: I think. matter. It just flies no. totally in the face of this uh, holier than thou Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, it, just,
0: almost immediately. But he's a tremendous competitor, right? <laughs> tremendous competitor.
2: It, it's a bad it's a bad thing but I don't think it actually matters I think it's something that often would get picked up and turned into a bigger thing and ironically it's not being that it's the opposite right now
0: I'm watching highlights of, um, of Tua here it's pretty good the old lefty thing yeah. is, is like that's class it looks way cooler
2: being a left-handed quarterback is like when someone scores a screamer and it goes in off the crossbar it just looks better even if it's not actually better
0: yeah also Rogues and Judy whoa that's not bad that's, some, that's cheat code stuff
2: and the third receiver, I can't remember the name of the third receiver there, but he was pretty good too. The I, I, if you're a Dolphins fan, you're usually excited, and you're right to be usually excited. Like I've wasted most of the segment talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, but Tua has high-end ability. The, the my concern with him is the offensive line in front of him isn't particularly good, and the game is going to be so so fast for him because it's a completely different thing. It's, it's something he's coming into late without a preseason, without kind of being eased in. The I, I'm surprised they're starting him now. I think it was probably predetermined they were going to start him now. But the I thought the Jets. A Jets game might be the best way to do
0: it. I think the fact that he hasn't had a preseason, but all these games here have been an opportunity for him to at least get a feel for what it's going to be like and be there on match day. And even however the few snaps he played last time, um, you know he's he's not an he's not as good an athlete as Kyler uh, Murray, is he?
2: No. He's—he's not—he. So he's probably close to Daniel Jones in the sense that he can run, but it's not going to be something you build into the offense. It's not like a Josh Allen where we saw with the Bills this week and we've seen it over recent weeks. They have recognized that Josh Allen's running ability is one of his biggest uh, keys to success. So they're actually calling designed runs for him. You wouldn't really do that for Tua. I think they will, but I don't think they should.
0: Was the um, Daniel Jones, Devin... Go on. Sorry, I
1: was just going to say it is actually problematic and something to keep an eye on that athleticism because i think in his own mind he's quicker than he you know he's quicker than he actually is in his mind aren't we so all he, he tried exactly he tries to escape from situations that he doesn't have the lamar jackson type uh fleet of foot to do so and it's something we see with baker mayfield who seems to think he's like a track star no. when he's in the pocket and it's like <laughs> no. baker forget about that pal you're going to get badly hurt if you keep doing it so similarly for two and it's actually the reason he got injured and um, i think he hopefully he'll be um he'd be wise for that but yeah his arm is, is great and as you said the optics are just are great. wonderful left-hander
0: did they win a national championship with him and Judy and Ruggs did they not
2: I believe so okay. I'm the wrong person the previous to ask college football
0: ok I, I don't I don't know either I, Joe Burrow wait, won no, last sorry. year
2: wait no sorry Clemson Trevor Lawrence was undefeated until that most recent championship so I assume Clemson won
0: Um, but so LSU won last year with Joe Burrow right yeah, and yeah. then the
2: year before would have been Clemson. Okay, okay. Um, right, what's next?
1: Number four, Willing and Vrabel. So, uh, no practice, no problem for the Tennessee Titans, Mossy Quinn's Tennessee Titans who are in an absolute tear if you take into account what they did at the end of last year. Even the playoffs, they were so impressive beating the Ravens and you know were impressive thereafter, closed the season so strong. They did an absolute number on the Patriots, Tom Brady's last ever game over there. So, the Titans, with two MVP candidates, if you want to look at like that term, is so, um, I don't know, arbitrary. Like Russell Wilson's going to win it because that's the narrative that's been built up around it. And Aaron Rodgers, similarly, if he can win the majority of his games, they're dying to give it to him. But if you actually look at the numbers, who's more important to their team than Derrick Henry or who's more important to their team than Ryan Tannehill? Like, those two lads have been so good. And Brabel. Out of this Belichick coaching tree, which has been withering ever since it started spreading up, given that nobody of any sort of uh, reputation has actually been built uh, from the Belichick school, but Rabel's kind of putting paid to that because he's actually he obviously number one he out Belichick Belichick in that game I was talking about in the playoffs with some uh, shrewd moves. And then what he did this uh, week just gone was, was so clever. And I don't know, if it was anyone else, you'd think it was a mistake. But it's, uh, because it's him, you know it's intentional that he had the 12 men on the field to stop the clock and gave him that extra portion of time at the end of the game, where they, they managed to maneuver themselves into position to ultimately win that game, which kept them undefeated and was a key divisional win. So the Titans, we talked about the Steelers last week, but the Titans are the story coming into this week. And this is it. somebody's always got to go. And as Keane touched on at the top, this is just an incredible uh, weekend of matchups. So uh, that's very much
0: top of the pile. This opinion. is the best matchup of the weekend, isn't it?
2: Oh, 100%. And it's not just having two, win- two uh, unbeaten teams going against each other, it's the fascinating aspect of the matchup here because. Taylor Luan is now out for the Eric Torres ACL. He's a, a key piece of their running game. And he's also a key piece just in the sense that the Titans don't have the offensive tackle quality they had last year. Uh, Dennis Kelly has played a bit of right tackle because the first-round pick they brought in didn't really pan out early. He, he had some issues with COVID a couple of times and he had a couple of uh, discipline issues, I guess is the best way to off the field is to describe him because it wasn't anything serious, but it was not following rules. Um, And then on the other side you've got Devin Bush who is a key middle linebacker for the Steelers who is out for the year with a torn ACL himself. So the matchup there is really fascinating because one thing's got to win out. The running game is going to have to work against the front seven that's been the best run defense in the league this year without one of its key pieces. Jari, I know I heard you talking about playing tennis this week and the best way to describe Devin Bush's absence from the Steelers is if you can serve overhand in tennis it's a completely different thing to serving underhand in tennis because you can generate that power and speed and spin. The Steelers have kind of lost their overhand serve this week because they just have nobody who can do the things that Devin Bush can do. They're going to have to look at, I think they're going to have to look at trading for a guy like Miles Jack eventually. I think it's going to be exploited a lot this week because Derrick Henry had over 200 yards for the third time in his career last week. And a big key to Derrick Henry's day was the inside linebackers of the Texans being out of position and not being fast enough to match him once he hit the hole. So it's a fascinating matchup. How much Taylor Lewan's absence lets Bud Dubry take over? How much uh, uh, Devin Bush's absence lets Derrick Henry take over? One of those things has got to win out.
0: All right, what do you think is going to happen? Pick it?
2: Uh, I'm taking the Steelers just because I think the tackles will be a bigger problem than the linebacker. Okay, All right. What's next?
1: Number five, Drake it till you make it. And as I mentioned at the top, Kenyon Drake is getting his light today because Arizona Cardinals all of a sudden very glitzy team. Everybody loves them. Uh, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins et al. And... Cardinal Murray had a bit of a Jimmy Garoppolo-esque game the other day where he only threw nine completed passes and it was actually Kenyon Drake who literally ran away with the game for the Cardinals against, as we mentioned, a deplorably bad or badly coached uh, Dallas defense. But uh, Kenyon Drake, we talk about coaching and we've talked about coaching today, but it was actually Kenyon Drake's mother who uh, who got the, the, this thing on the road. She rang him up and said, Hey, son, you got to hit some holes today. And he said, it kind of just lit a fire under me. I was ready to go out there and play ball. It kind of really hit home when your own mom is not liking what she sees out there. So, uh, well done, Mama Drake, who got Kenyon Drake motoring the other day. And if they can get that complimentary run game going, we've seen how dangerous Kyler Murray is running. I don't know, to Keane's point on uh, design runs for quarterbacks, he seems to be very good at freelancing. And just, if he doesn't see anything open, just getting out of bounds. And he always seems to pick up the first down. So, the Cardinals... Again, a very dangerous proposition. And this, if Steelers-Titans is the best game of the weekend, this is probably right there with it. The Cardinals against the Seahawks, who I was talking about Russell Wilson on this MVP tear, and he, he certainly is. There's there's no dispute in that. But their defense, which was the hallmark of this franchise since Pete Carroll got there and maybe before, has been really bad. And um, I know they've been missing some personnel, but it's gonna. it looks like they've been putting Russell, the ball in Russell Wilson's hands more and it seems to be by design but it also by necessity because they find themselves needing to to put up big scores in, in the way Dak Prescott almost does in Dallas. So this promises to be given the ingredients at play a, a bit of a fireworks encounter and this is another one for people to keep an eye on.
0: They're the only unbeaten team as it stands in the NFC, uh, the Seahawks that is, and it looks like they're about to get some uh, cavalry. We'll talk about that in a moment. But what about the Cardinals and, and what about Kenyon Drake? Do you expect Kenyon Drake to... Use this as the start of something because he'd been a very slow starter into the season so far, given that this was somebody who they paid a lot of money to.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, did that phone call come midway through the fourth quarter? Because he was struggling through most of that game until he broke off the big play at the end when they were running clock and the Cowboys overcommitted. Uh, I would not be optimistic about Kenyon Drake moving into this week because the Seahawks defense while lacking big names and while lacking pass rushers the one thing they're pretty good at is stopping the run so it's going to be a, a mismatch for the uh, in the Seahawks favor whereas last week it was a mismatch in the, in the Cardinals favor against the Cowboys this is a very very interesting game because like you mentioned rightly mentioned that um, Kyler Murray's passing hasn't been up to scratch and it's been a struggle all season, all season long like he was much better passer last year than he's been this year which is the opposite of what you would expect with a rookie going into his second year especially when you add a key piece like DeAndre Hopkins Hopkins was largely absent from that game against the Cowboys which he should have, he should have been more heavily involved you can't really complain on certain plays because Christian Kirk was obviously going off but this week, you would expect the Hopkins to get open a lot. He's going against a couple of cornerbacks who aren't especially good. He's going against a defense as a whole that isn't especially good against the pass. And the biggest weakness the Cardinals have is their d- offensive tackles. And if you can exploit their offensive tackles, you'll be able to shut down their passing game. But the Seahawks famously don't have defensive ends. They've got very limited defensive ends. LJ Collier is probably their best one and he's been mostly a bust after being picked in the first round. So the if, if the offensive tackles hold up like we expect them to this becomes a very, very interesting game. The biggest concern for the Cardinals is that Carter might throw the game away but defensively they've been getting better each week. The Seahawks are obviously exceptionally good but they haven't been as consistent in recent games as they were at the start of the year. So, Like, like we mentioned, this is a great game. This is the one that got uh, flexed to the late game because of the Raiders' situation with COVID. So you might not be able to watch it. It might be too late for you. But if you have the opportunity to, it's definitely going to be worth it.
0: How late is it going to be on? Is it like super late?
2: Well, it's the Sunday Night Football game. They they just swapped.
0: But it's Bank Holiday Monday, Keen.
2: Oh, I don't know these things. I've worked There on you go. I just remembered
0: it's Bank Holiday Monday. I was like, oh, this is not going to be able... It's not going to play out well. Uh, I've literally just remembered it this second. So, wow. This also, is- can
2: I... Can I point out I, I love the fact that Ronan is now using Jimmy Garoppolo as an insult so I, I, I think I've infected the show
1: Listen no 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 I, to be fair I was talking about that was it the game against the Packers where he just handed the ball off for of the whole game to Mostert and
0: where Mostert to, set a, a record for playoff game number of yards and they actually didn't need to do anything else because yeah exactly you know. that's, that's that's what the, crack well, was the playoff with, game against the Vikings was the
1: Cardinals. that was the Cardinals the other day all uh, Kyler <laughs> just had to do was run out of bounds every now and then give it to Kenyon Drake job's a good one
0: Um, Jimmy G's going to dissect his old buddies this weekend and uh, you're all going to put some respect on his name after this
1: Uh, what's the last one for us yeah number six Yannick By, and we're getting to that time of the season where the trade deadline approaches and a lot of teams are panicking one of them is not the Baltimore Ravens who have just been uh, Eric DaCosta if you'll indulge me like having taken over from the greatest GM in history is doing a phenomenal job so far
0: why don't you marry Um, him Ronan go on
1: marry him propose now don't be jealous Jer He's, um, he's amazing. Like, these these acquisitions, like, what happened last year and my number one concern, and Des Bryant isn't necessarily going to LA, it. he's on the practice squad now, but these throws outside the numbers that Lamar just hasn't had open to him when they fall behind, all I wanted was some sort of big body outside where he can, you know, put up a contestable catch and maybe get the Ravens motor and get back in the game. Otherwise, it's like precise passes over the middle or he has to run himself back into the game and we've seen that's just not going to be achievable now at the moment anyway. But they've they've addressed that one. But more to the point, the Titans ran roughshod over them in the playoffs last year. And basically all their acquisitions have been basically to address that issue. So we've seen Wolf come in, Calais Campbell has come in, and now Yannick Ngakwe is uh, not for that specific role, but he'll be able to get after the quarterback and it all it all meshes together. And this is the AFC a division or this is the AFC Championship front line that the Jaguars took almost took the Patriots uh, all the way, or did take the Patriots all the way and almost got to the Super Bowl with Calais Campbell and Ngakwe up front. And you look at this and think it didn't work out for Ngakwe in or at the Vikings, but he's actually on course to set, be the sack leader this year. He's got five sacks, two force fumbles in a, like in a terrible Vikings team or a, th- a team that's just not clicking at all. So he's, I'm sure he's happy to get out of that situation. To Maryland, where he's from, basically, or certainly grew up the large part of his life. So this is a this is a really good fit for the Ravens, who you'll remember got Marcus Peters this time last year, and just seemed to be seemed to pounce on things that aren't necessarily uh, overly
0: obvious. I don't understand. So yeah, so Marcus Peters, it was somebody else they picked up for nothing. How much did Calais Campbell cost? I mean, he's 34, so maybe that's not that big a deal. But
1: Calais Campbell was like a, a fire sale from the Jags, which you know we were talking with the Jags preseason, Jar, and we presumed they were tanking for Trevor. The way they were going, they but, are. Like, They, got, they yeah. got rid of all their leaders. Like they got rid of Calais yeah. like, Campbell. He wanted to stay. Unique and did his best to get out of there. No harm to him, so uh, he's happy enough. But uh, Calais Campbell was settled. Like won the Walter Payton Man of the Year for stuff he had done in Florida, and was happy to stay there. And they bombed him out, so he's he's going to come back and uh, tax
0: situation. Florida, he's, he's, had, a, to he's
1: go had a really good season for, for the Ravens so far. But like, I don't want to focus entirely on the Ravens because you mentioned you Antonio okay. Antonio Brown there, Jerry, in the Seahawks conversation. That seems like the most likely destination for him to land, and
0: just what the Seahawks need at the moment. Yeah, but like
1: they don't like their their offense is actually so good anyway, and like Uh, um, he's he
0: is he is he actually an upgrade on Tyler Lockett? Is he an upgrade? I mean, I don't know. I mean, yes. Is he
2: that much at this stage? But like, I mean, Antonio Brown was the best receiver in the NFL the last time he played. Not really. time he played last year.
0: It was the previous. It was. Three seasons ago now, he was the best receiver in the NFL. <laughs> oh,
2: well, he's up there, at least. Uh, I know Ronald wants to move past the Ravens, but I don't. I want to focus on this because they've been... What they've done is incredible. You asked what they paid for these players as a whole. If Nothing. But Campbell... No, if you put, if you put oh. Campbell, Peters, and Ngakwe together, it's a third-round pick, three fifth-round picks, and a backup linebacker. That's exceptional. Like, that's can three do, players... who
1: On, can... on Ngakwe, so they gave up a third round pick to get him but if he leaves at the end of the season which he could if he chooses to they get a compensatory pick back for it so basically this is totally free this is a shot to nothing and a very much of a win now move if it it pays off for them
2: they do well they get the the value of him in the compensatory formula which is a little bit different but it's it's basically what you're saying it depends on what they sign the aspect of this that's fascinating to me is if you told a franchise to build a team around Lamar Jackson or build a team from nothing, transitioning away from Joe Flacco, you could not have done a better job than what the Ravens have done. They've gotten value trades, they've added guys at the perfect times in their career to elevate the young players around them, they've drafted and developed well, they've got a coaching and culture there that allowed them to transition. We talked about the Cowboys culture being terrible, no one has any questions about John Harbaugh's control of that locker room, no one has any questions about what their role is on the team when given on each team and then you look at the management of the capital the management of the, the value. Trades like they—they they were players for Ngakwe at the start of the season. Now they've got him at a cup price, and he didn't play poorly in Minnesota. Minnesota is just in a point where they know they know they're not going to the playoffs. Tra- so they tra- were looking in. to get value. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the value in, for what the Ravens have done is incredible. But I have to go back to my broken record of the last couple of weeks and say this might all be irrelevant because if Don Martindale continues the blitz, it won't matter that Anya Ngakwe is there because Ngakwe will have no value just occupying a blocker hoping the blitz gets home. So if they are actually going to change now, they've got Ngakwe coming off the edge, as a speed rusher they've got Matt Judon working off the other side as a, a variable rusher that you can work in, win in different ways they've got Lace Campbell who will play more inside now who is a, still a, an incredible penetrating defensive tackle incredibly destructive player you have these three players and you have a fourth obviously a Derek Wolfe maybe whoever rota- rotates in and out depending on the situation you have to just let those guys rush yeah you can blitz Patrick Queen every so often you can blitz Marilyn Humphrey every so often but the blitzing has to not be their identity anymore they have to go back to playing coverage you have to actually work against the uh, work towards being the Kansas City Chiefs and not just taking advantage of a Baker Mayfield who's going to fall for those blitzes. And again, if we talk about the Chiefs and they hope for that rematch. The biggest weakness on the Chiefs, Eric Fisher at left tackle. If Janik Gotway, who's a right-side defensive end speed rusher, if you put him out there, just let him go to work with Eric Fisher for four quarters, the Chiefs' offense will get disrupted. If you don't do that, this trade is pointless. All right, but at
0: least this gives them the option for it now. So that's pretty much all we got time for. Yeah. I'm running through the fixtures. As Ken said at the start, it is an amazing weekend of fixtures. So last night, the Eagles beat the Giants in a come-from-behind victory by a single point to now put them a half game ahead of the uh, NFC Least, as we've been calling it. The uh, Buffalo Bills at the Jets, the Jets 0-6, There's a possibility they get some uh, attacking talent back at the weekend. We might see Denzel Mims for the first time. That's exciting. Dallas Cowboys at Washington. Um, By all accounts, this game's going to be absolutely horrific, but again, there's a lot riding on. Detroit at Atlanta. Atlanta started to win last week. Maybe they should be trading away all their assets now so that the new coaching ticket and the new front office comes in and has lots of value because if you start winning now, what's really the point? Uh, Carolina at the Saints. Divisional game, huge. The Browns at the Bengals. Bengals should have One last week Couldn't get it done Green Bay at Houston Those Houston Juicy first round picks They need to start Winning some To make it look like uh, Not the complete bust That it was But at least Laramie Tunsil Started to work out Steelers at the Titans Game of the weekend Seattle at Arizona One of the other games Of the weekend The Kansas City Chiefs At the Denver Broncos An 8.25 kickoff Jacksonville At uh, the Chargers That's actually Interesting in terms Of the quarterbacks And how Jacksonville Really need one And the Chargers Seem to have one The Niners at the Patriots that kickoff is 8:25. one of the other games of the weekend as well, um, certainly uh, to see exactly how Jimmy G can do against his old maestro. Uh, Tampa Bay at the Raiders kicks off at midnight and then the Bears at the Rams kicks off 15 minutes past. Gents, a pleasure spending some time in your company. A great pick six this week. My thanks to both of you for being part of the show. We'll see you next week. Take care. OTB's American Football Show, The Snap. <laughs>